May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. You are indeed, and I'm glad about it. Uh, this week, the Ad Council launched a new national PSA campaign focused on black and Hispanic men's health, their mental health specifically, and the unique challenges these communities face. I want to play uh, the PSA for you in a moment. Uh, but Dr. William Smith is our guest. He's a preeminent mental health scholar from the Huntsman Mental Health Institute, and we'll talk about the campaign, um, some of the personal challenges um, that he had to endure, uh, of course, as a black man in America, uh, and um, his extensive research uh, and the term he coined nearly 20 years ago this year that many of us often use racial battle fatigue. That's actually his phrase, so I can't take credit for it. Neither can anybody else who you hear use it. He coined it uh, almost two decades ago, racial battle fatigue. But what's happening with black and brown men in this country that has the Ad Council so concerned as to run a PSA all across the country on radio and television trying to draw attention to this particular crisis. Uh, here's the spot, and then we'll talk to Dr. Smith. I wonder if you know that I want the best for you. I know you're going through a lot. I wonder if you know that the big homie needs help too. You can't just rebound from everything. I know you've been grinding. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But how long will you fight solo? I wonder if you know that we can get help. I wonder why we waited so long. I'm not wondering anymore. Love your mind. Let's see how far we can go. Creative, very creative. I love that uh, love your mind. Didn't didn't see that coming, did you? Um, uh, a message uh, from your mind. Um, again, very creative, and I'm delighted to have Dr. William Smith uh, as our guest um, um, on this program. Dr. Smith, how are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. Uh, glad to be here. Good to have you on. Uh, let me just start with that big question that I posed a moment ago. What What are we seeing? What's the data telling us about the mental health of black and brown men that make it necessary for the Ad Council to really sort of step up? And I've been thinking um, of the last, you know, 48 hours when I got word you were coming on. I've been thinking uh, about the last time I recall the Ad Council or any entity for that matter being so aggressive uh, in trying to reach uh, black and brown men. Uh, with a campaign aimed directly at them about their mental health. And frankly, I can't think of one um, that's this aggressive. But what, what's the data telling us about why this is happening and why it needs to happen right about now? Well, Travis, um, I'm sure you know that this country and everyone in it has experienced all type of crises. We've had to deal with the pandemic. We've dealt with the economic crisis, um, the move for racial justice and the murders of people like um, Trayvon Martin, George Floyd. I mean, the list goes on. And that impacts all of us. But particularly uh, for African-American men, when you see another black person unarmed get killed by the police, you have up to three months of poor mental health days. For, and that includes black women and children. So the crisis impacts us at a different level. All people are, are impacted, but psychologically, we take on an additional burden, and that burden oftentimes goes unseen, and we don't talk about it. We don't share uh, what we're dealing with. 
and the Ad Council, along with the Humphrey Mental Health Institute, have come together looking at this research, looking at my work around racial battle fatigue, to really try to address, not just for black and brown men, our country in general, but we know that black and brown men are the one of the least heard, visualized, accepted, um, appreciated communities. And we want to definitely address their needs. Mm-hmm. T- tell me more about the unique ways um, that black folk in particular are burdened psychologically when we experience or witness the kind of racial trauma that you referenced earlier, including uh, that video, for example, of George Floyd's murder uh, time and time again and countless others we could we could we could point to. But tell me more about, again, the psychological burden that we bear uh, that is uniquely different from others when we experience uh, when we see in real time that kind of racial trauma. Well, Travis, the study that I was referencing. When a black person, unarmed and is shot by the police, can have up to three months of poor mental health days. Now, when you look at a high-profile killer Mm -hmm. like George Floyd that gets a lot of attention, we see that in an initial study, it's three months for the people in that particular state. But a high-profile killer... It, it uh, impacts black people across the country. Now, when we sum that up, that's like 55 million poor mental health things uh, that black people experience. Mm. Now, compare that to diabetes. 75 million uh, poor mental health days for all people in the United States who suffer from diabetes, let alone just one incident mm-hmm. like George Floyd, can have a tremendous impact on the mental health of black people. And that's why this is so important. Mm. Um, what What is it about us? I'm, I'm fascinated by this. What is it? I think I know the answer, but you're the expert. Uh, I'm just a talk show host <laughs> asking questions. <laughs> but what, what what is it about us that allows us to take that on? And let me, let me preface it by saying this. I was in a conversation the other day about something that is disconnected, but I think, uh, but related. Uh, And that is uh, the notion uh, that I was expressing the other day that for better or for worse, black people are the most forgiving people in the world. We are the most forgiving people in the world. Sometimes that plays to our advantage. Sometimes I believe it disadvantages us in significant ways. But we are a very forgiving people. Nobody believes in redemption the way that we do. So we're forgiving people. Uh, I want to just just set that aside for the moment. Uh, again, I was in that dialogue the other day and come back to this dialogue about what it is about us that makes us, my word, not yours, so sensitive, um, so sponge-like that we, that, we, that we take this on, that we take this in. And when we experience this kind of trauma, we end up having months, as you put it, of bad mental health days. Others can sort of shrug stuff off. I don't know that white folk imbibe this stuff in the way we do. Uh, when something happens bad in the world for white folk, I don't know they walk around with a bunch of mad, a bunch of bad mental health days the way we do. So what is it about us that just makes us so, if I can use the word susceptible, and I don't mean that in a negative way, uh, but so susceptible to taking this on, to taking this in, if that makes sense to you? Well, let me start with your your last part of your question first, and then I'll go to the beginning. But in those studies that I referenced, it was quite interesting to find that white people who also saw an unarmed black person shot and killed by the police did not have 
poor mental health day. Ah, uh, hold that thought. Hold, hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Uh, <laughs> that did. I'm not laughing. I am actually. That did not surprise me. So we see George Floyd get shot, or in this case, a knee on his neck. We see others get shot. We have three months of bad mental health days. The good white folks see the same thing. And they're not necessarily impacted in the same way. Imagine that. Not surprised. I want to hear more about it when we come forward. I guess, Dr. William Smith, you're listening to Tavis Smiley. What's your quarrel with the world? You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. All right, uh, Dr. William Smith, you were just uh, starting to tell me um, about uh, how others um, we uh, know from the data respond or don't respond to the kind of racial trauma that black folk are subjected to. Uh, I'd ask you, for those who may have just tuned in, uh, why it is, to your earlier point, we take on this psychological burden of having bad mental health days when we see bad stuff happen to our people. And you were saying that the data said, what about about the good white people? Well, what the data does show is that when black people see um, a high-profile killing of another black person who's armed, they can have up to three months or more of poor mental health days. That doesn't impact white people when they see it. Mm. Here's the kick that's happening. When the black person is armed, then it drops for the black people who see it. They really are impacted with poor mental health days. They might be sad and be like, oh, man, that's a loss. So it's the difference. Here's one who's armed versus one who's unarmed uh, and being aggressive toward the police. Now, with white, it measures about the same. Mm-hmm. So we have a different experience of the world, and the world treats us differently in such a way that it causes additional stresses. And that's what I call racial battle fatigue. Mm. Hold, hold the phone for a second. Cause now, now this is getting this is getting good, as we say around here. It's getting good. I, you just said something now that I, I need to interrogate. So if I heard you correctly, when white folk see the racial trauma or drama that black folk find themselves in or often subjected to, whether the black person is armed or unarmed, it doesn't appreciably change the way white people feel about what they saw. But if I heard you correctly as well, when black folks see black folk caught up in situations like these, there is a distinct difference in how we feel about it, whether the person was armed and, and, and you know, basically tempting the cops or, or unarmed uh, and end up being murdered. So white folk don't have a change of heart one way or the other, armed or not armed. When black folks see this stuff, we do have a difference in how we feel, uh, how we have uh, or don't have bad mental health days based on whether the brother or sister was armed or unarmed. If I'm correct about that, how do you read that that dichotomy, that distinction? Well, some people will look at that as saying they got what they deserve, right? Right, right. okay. Others will look at that and say this is still systemic injustice going on. Mm-hmm. And they'll have an ex- interpretation and explanation for this. So, yes, when we measure poor mental health days, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. And how do you read that? That's the black part, not to the white part. How do you read the fact that the good white folk, whether we're armed or not armed, don't see there's, no, there's really no appreciable difference in the number of bad mental health days they have based on what they what they witnessed? Well, all of us have racial socialization. So those are stories that are told over and over from parents, teachers, ministers, priests, um, you name it, the radio stations, television, mm-hmm. that tra- 
train us how to interpret our so-called reality. So some people will see something and explain it totally different than another group or another person. So African-Americans will see some injustice they feel and say, no, this was wrong and this is how it happened. Well, other people are blinded to that. Yeah. All right. so, again, that causes a different stressor. Nope, I hear it. I hear it loud and clear, and I feel it more than just hear it. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Dr. William Smith, preeminent mental health scholar from the Huntsman Mental Health Institute, uh, we'll turn our attention finally and, and once again uh, to this uh, new national PSA campaign focused on black and Hispanic men's mental health and the unique challenges um, both of these communities face. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Sounds Sounds different. different. Huh. This is Tavis Smiley. Dr. William Smith, uh, what do we hope to accomplish with this uh, this PSA from the Ad Council? Well, we want to capture the attention of America. All people. All people are dealing with stress. All people have poor mental health crisis. We all have good and bad days. But... Joint partners with the uh, joint partnership with the Ad Council, we looked at the research. So what we want people to do is to be proactive, put themselves first. You can't show up for other people, your spouse, your partner, your children, if you don't take care of your own mental health. So we want them to be proactive. So love your mind is a love letter from your mind to your body. Loveyourmindtoday.org is where you can go to see more information. But the most important thing is be proactive. Take care of self. We've all heard about your physical health. Taking 10,000 steps a day leads to better physical health. What steps are we taking for mental health? you got to track that as well, Tavis. So if we can do healthier, make healthier choices around our mind, we can live a fuller life, and we can show up better for other people as well as ourselves. No, I love the name of the campaign. Love, that's love, comma your mind, as if your mind is uh, uh, talking to you and telling you, "Hey, take care of me too." Love your mind uh, again. Lo- love the uh, creativity of the campaign. Let me close by asking this: What 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 is to be done uh, about the the stigma um, the this that won't uh, that won't go away? The stigma associated. Uh, with mental health uh, in the black community, uh, whether it's black men or black women, but there's a stigma uh, that just uh, mm-hmm. that just doesn't seem to want to to budge. Uh, what say you about that? Well, that's that's what we're trying to attack head on. That it, uh, we should remove the stigma. The stigma around I, I'm not seen as strong if I talk to, to other people about my problems. Oftentimes, we're taught to not be selfish. We're taught to look out for other people. We have to be more selfish about our own mental health habits. And we, we have to be able to talk. Talk to friends. Talk to people at your church. Talk to you know specific people that you trust. Maybe consider mental health therapy or do exercises, coping strategies that can lead to better mental health. Better mental and physical health habits work hand in glove. And we have to remember that, particularly as a black community, uh, we deal with a lot of daily microaggressions, macroaggressions, all type of aggressions, Tavis. Yeah. And if we don't step up and do something, we will have higher morbidity and mortality rates uh, in the upcoming years. 
Yeah, no, we, we know that old adage, when they get a cold, we get pneumonia, we get the flu. Um, so uh, when the data tell us, as it does, that this campaign comes at a time when 49% of Americans uh, age 16 to 65 report having a mental health condition, and among those, less than half, 48% say they are uh, getting help or treatment, uh, those aren't good numbers. So the numbers are that everybody's wrestling with something. Yeah. But the numbers also indicate that most of us ain't getting help with it. Now, that's the society writ large. Take those numbers and put them in black, and you get a, a very different story, again, because of the stigma in our community associated with mental health. But the data is also is, is pretty clear uh, that young black folk in particular, young black men, are having some real mental health challenges. And so in steps Dr. William Smith and his team at the Huntsman Mental Health Institute in partnership with the Ad Council uh, to run this uh, promo that I'm sure you'll hear on this station, other stations across the country, uh, television and radio, trying to draw attention to the mental health of our people. Dr. Smith, thank you for your work and witness. Good to have you on this program, sir, and all the best to you. Thank you, sir.